Hello, everyone, and welcome to Police Off the Cuff, Real Crime Stories. I'm your host, Bill Cannon, a 27-year retired sergeant from the NYPD. A lot going on. You know, folks, I'm, first and foremost, I wanted to thank all of you guys for um, supporting us so much. I mean, I, in the last week, Phil and I did some, I thought, uh, you know, not to pat myself on the back or Phil on the back, I think we did some incredible shows, starting with, um, well, we did a show three days ago about this very topic, about Alec Baldwin, uh, based on the article that was written by Piers Morgan, imploring him to take responsibility for his actions. And then we did a, a show with Dan Bibb, uh, a retired Manhattan district attorney, who did 26 years with the Manhattan DA's office, who is a brilliant guy, had an unbelievable career as a prosecutor for the Manhattan DA's office. And he went over a, a, a case, uh, Dr. Bierenbaum, who killed his wife, Gail Katz, in 1985. And Dan didn't begin the prosecution and the investigation on that case till 1997. And in 2000, got a conviction that sent uh, Dr. Bierenbaum away for 20 years to life. In fact, he's now up for parole. And it was a fascinating case to hear Dan tell the story that was already told one time on 2020. But I think our show, believe it or not, it it focused more on Dan and the prosecution and the investigation. And I thought it was way more interesting than the 2020. They should pay, pay us what they pay those 2020 people, you know. And finally, last night, we had a police off the cuff favorite guest, retired NYP first grade detective Tommy Dades. We did a little bit more of a deeper dive into the mafia cops, uh, Louis Ippolito and Stephen Caracappa. And we got into, I mean, Tommy Dades knows um, facts and circumstances and times and dates and names that no one else knows. So having him on was just just incredible. Uh, And we're going to do a part two to that in about another week or so. I'm going away on Monday to Florida. the Isla Morada, if you've never been there, it's in the Florida Keys. It's the second key after Key Largo. I'm going to go fishing for three days with my friends. I think I, I need a little break. Phil's going to stay in Brooklyn, stir, stir some sauce, get ready for get ready for the Easter holidays. But uh, Phil's going to be with us today, too. He's, he's sitting in the uh, studio waiting to be brought in, and I'm going to bring him in right now. Billy, how you doing? I'm doing good, Billy. How about you? You know, I, I'm doing good, and, and you know something? I think this break can't come soon enough because we've been really working hard at this, and I don't know if people that listen to us, and look, I don't want anyone playing the violin for us, but I don't know if they really realize how hard we work at this. And not just the, the shows themselves, but the research, reading up on it, knowing the facts and the circumstances of the case, staying on up on what's trending, the news, and then, you know, if you can, reporting on it, uh, that same day, which it's not always easy to do. And I know you, Phil, you have a busy life. I'm uh, I'm a little bit more accessible to do this as I don't work a real job. This is my job being a podcaster. But it's, um, you know, it's, it's quite a challenge. And look, it's a labor of love. I'd be lying if I said, if I denied that I love doing this. I do. And it keeps you back. You almost feel like you're back on the police department or back doing investigations. And it's... Uh, it's a real challenge. You know, Billy, uh, it really is a labor of love for me 
Uh, like you said, uh, I left the police department in 2003. This type of stuff, which always interests me, you know, uh, blue runs through my veins. I'm sure the same thing with you. Uh, I was told many years ago that once you're a cop for that number of years, that kind of stuff doesn't really wash out of you. So the interest is there. Um, you were talking about Dan Bibb's show that we did the other night. That was just such an intriguing case. And I really agree with you that uh, they did a two-hour special in 2020 about it, and they really didn't do justice to the case. I think that Dan came across with some amazing facts. That there was a tremendous investigation done, and our show uh, dove a lot deeper. Uh, you know, we had him one-on-one -on -one for over an hour, and there were things about that case that came out that just, you know, I think I started to go into my investigative mode, and I started asking him questions about uh, – you know, Birnbaum, the, Dr. Birnbaum's uh, history as a child growing up, was he a victim of child abuse and stuff like that? And those are the questions that I think 2020 would have probably uh, had, had they asked those questions, probably would have did themselves some justice in the piece that they did. But yeah, we've had some great shows. We were on Jimmy Colangelo's show the other night. I, yeah, I forgot that one too, because we were on his show. He wasn't on ours. That was great too. We probably did five shows this week and whatever it is, it is, it, it's great doing it. It's a lot of fun. Listen, it, it, there's a lot of work that goes into it. You brought me behind the scenes the other day with our, uh, a technical guy. And I saw really firsthand, I mean, I always knew there was a lot going on behind the scenes, but then I saw the, uh, the actual depth of it. And it's hard to pay attention when we're doing a live broadcast to what's being said and to be able to navigate for all the things that you do. So I always, I always give you props for that. That's uh, there's a lot of work that goes in behind it. You know, uh, Phil, it's like walking, chewing gum and juggling at the same time. Yeah. That's what it's like doing this. I, and I mean, it. I'm not trying to again say, Oh, but it's hard. It's really difficult to do. It's not like we have a crew. That's our production crew. We are our production crew. Absolutely. Absolutely. And listen, just a little bit of research that we do. You know, when I say a little bit of research, sometimes it's a lot of research. You know, you go onto the computer, you're on the computer for an hour. That's not, you know, giving two minutes to something. You you try to look and, and you don't want to sound, uh, you know, you don't want to sound like you're a moron, when, especially when you go on live. But this case that we're doing today, I mean, the twists and turns that are coming up on this thing, it's really, uh, it's really quite, uh, I don't know what word to use. It's just, it's ridiculous what this Baldwin is doing. I mean, he's coming out with, uh, with things that he's, he's really, I mean, I read the New York times article quickly, but he's saying things in court now in court filings that are actually making himself look and probably proving more culpability and guilt on his part. I mean, he's in the civil action, uh, part of it, but, uh, I guess we got to dig deep into it and, uh, just discuss it. Well, you know, he's trying to uh, absolve himself of any liability. And, you know, if you, the other day when we spoke about the Piers Morgan article, and I'll quote some of it later on, he was like, how could someone that had the gun in their hand that fired a shot and killed Helena Hutchins and wounded Joel Souser, how could that person take no responsibility for it? How, how is that possible? And, feel and it goes no back to who he is. Who Absolutely. He is. Absolutely. And he said he felt no guilt. And, and we've really, uh, uh, you know, focused in on that. And I think with this court filing, you know, just because he's going to spew 
uh, I'm not responsible. I'm not guilty. That doesn't, you know, that doesn't mean he's not. He he's trying to make himself feel better about himself, is what I believe. You know, he doesn't, uh, and he's also trying to protect his uh, his assets and 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 his family. So, uh, you know, he he proclaims in this latest filing that uh, the contract that he signed uh, relieves him of any uh, financial obligations regarding the lawsuits going forward that, uh, you know, that I guess he's, he's trying to point the finger at the insurance companies, you know, to say that they should pick up the tab for whatever, uh, you know, civil actions and, and, uh, settlements that are reached. So, uh, he's doing his best to protect himself, but he's really making himself look bad in the public eye. You know, one of the things is, and I, and I, again, I'm not an attorney. I don't know the ins and outs of, especially of civil law, but, we have both said that the, the criminal case, if there is going to be a criminal case, it hasn't yet been decided. And if the criminal case comes that, yes, they're going to arrest someone, they're going to charge somebody, it will most likely be Alec Baldwin. It could be others, but it will most likely be him. So I would think that if there are criminal charges, that will make the civil case so, so much stronger. But even if there are not criminal charges, the civil case is still extremely strong. I don't care that he's going and claiming he's not liable and he doesn't want any financial liability. He's been doing a tap dance since minute one on this. And it's it's really disgusting to see. But in folks, if you don't know what we're talking about, today there was an article in the New York Times about uh, Alec Bolden seeks to avoid liability in rust shooting. And it says in an arbitration demand against his fellow producers on the film, he denied culpability in the killing of cinematographer and said he should not be held financially responsible. And Alec gave a detailed account yet of fairly shooting a cinematographer on the set of the film Rust last year, an arbitration demand that his lawyers filed Friday against his fellow producers, claiming that his contract protected him from financial responsibility in a death and seeking coverage of his legal fees. So an arbitration simply is... Both sides will go before a judge and they'll present their case and the judge will rule on that. Uh, so I, I don't know. Really, how I believe it's not always, I believe it's not always a judge certain. I, I know I'm going to speak about New York. Cause I know obviously about New York, but I believe arbitration is an arbitrator is not always a judge. A lot of times it's a, a person, sometimes it's an attorney that's appointed uh, to that position of arbitrator. So uh, it, it, it could be ruled on like uh, a judge, but I don't know if it's always a judge, maybe in New Mexico, it may be that, uh, are you quoting from the article that it was? No, no, I'm just, you know, something by the term judge, I'm just mean the person that's going to render a decision. I don't know if it's specifically, I would think it would probably should be someone with a law degree that knows the law to be able to decide this because this is very complicated. And I don't see how someone without a background in the law could determine who pays and who doesn't pay, you know? Right, right. You know what, Billy, just let me make a quick point. Uh, With regard to criminal charges and then the civil case, now just think about it like this. Now, if there is criminal charges, whether they be filed and a person is found guilty, I don't think that that is really the impact on the civil trial. Think about it. Uh, A civil trial is, there's usually six jurors as opposed to a jury of 12 in a criminal case. It's six. And you only need four of them to rule in favor of the defendant or the plaintiff. So if the plaintiff is 
obviously the Hutchins family, four of those people have to be swayed into the camp that they believe that uh, there was liability and culpability by, let's say, Baldwin or whoever they're suing the, the production company. Now, if you you got six people and four of them here, that there was an arrest made of, let's say, Alec Baldwin or the director or the armor or anybody involved in this case, that right there is going to plant the seed in those jurors' minds that if the police went to the extent of making an arrest in this case, there has to be some culpability by those people. So that's what I think uh, is going to make the difference between, uh, you know, having a heavy lift in a civil case and having it being what we would call a slam dunk. I think once there's criminal charges, the civil case is going to be relatively easy to get through. And we know the facts of what transpired. There's a lot of facts that have been made public. And in our opinion, I think that the the civil case, whether or not there's criminal charges, is going to probably be a uh, a slam dunk. Well, one of the things uh, also, though, in the in the if there is in fact a criminal case, many things will come out that the civil attorneys will use in their case. Right. So just for that, it's almost like a treasure trove of discovery. I'm just going to play this little clip of Alec, the famous uh, uh, interview with George Stephanopoulos, where he takes no uh, he takes no responsibility for his there actions. The trigger to be pulled. Well, the trigger wasn't pulled. I didn't pull the trigger. So yeah. you never pulled the trigger? No, 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 no. I, I would never point a gun at anyone and pull a trigger at them, never. And you're holding on to the hammer. I'm holding that. I'm just showing. I go, how about that? Does that work? Do you see that? Do you see that? She goes, yeah, that's good. I let go of the hammer. Bang, the gun goes. Do you feel guilt? No, no. I feel that there is, I, I feel that 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 uh, someone is responsible for what happened. And I can't say who that is, but I know it's not me. That's incredible to anyone that watches it, anyone that has followed this case that he takes absolutely no responsibility for his actions. And I feel like we're talking about this ad nauseum because we've reported on this from the beginning, but it has to be drummed in to, to see who this man is and to see how this is his MO, his modus operandi. He does not take responsibility. However, he's very opinionated about other people, you know, but he's not one to take responsibility for his own actions. You know, Billy, uh, in this latest filing, this affidavit, he goes through the steps of saying that he never checked the gun. He was told it was a cold gun and he never checked the gun. So that right there is a, a flagrant safety violation of protocols that are in effect on movie sets, especially when you're using a real gun. So he, he violated the protocol right there. So he put himself in a trick bag for culpability right there. And that's just one of many things that they're going to be able to cite when this thing goes to either criminal court or civil court. So uh, I, again, uh, he was not supposed to be handed a gun by the director. He was supposed to be handed the gun by the armorer. The armorer wasn't present. The director hands him the gun. So you have uh, you have a situation right there. So I, I, I believe it was the, I said the director, it was the AD, the assistant director. Right. So, you know, you, you have an issue right there. Uh, I pointed out those two. There's probably many more. And really, I think the, the major question here, the biggest question of all is, how did a live round Get into that gun. That's the real question that I want answered because well, that, that's that's definitely um, you know is a huge question, and it's also as to liability, it's gross negligence. And BB, perhaps I missed it, but has the guy Joel Souza, who's the uh, director, I think that his name that was shot in the shoulder, has he come forward with any lawsuit? If not, 
Interesting. You know, I haven't heard that he has. I would think he'd be nuts not to sue uh, because, you know, this bullet went through Helena Hutchins, through her body, exited her body, and hit him in the shoulder. It was 45 caliber. So he's going to have problems probably with his shoulder for the rest of his life. And I don't, you know, there's been no reports that he's in fact filed a civil suit, but I think it could be coming. It could be on its way. I think you have a certain amount of time to file a civil suit. I don't know what that time frame is in New Mexico, but I think that you definitely have a certain amount of time. Christy uh, Lynette, many actors have called him out on how to handle a gun on set. Examples, George Clooney called him out, and I believe Clint Eastwood said that was a lame excuse. Yeah. He's um, his own. He's getting eaten by his own. Put it that way, you know. And uh, it's again showing that he does not take responsibility for his actions. I'm going to play a little bit of Matt Hutchins uh, in his interview with Hoda Kotb, and uh, let's hear what he has to say. Way through the storm. Was did he seem distraught during that time? There were a lot of emotions for sure on both sides. Hutchins, who's filed a civil suit against Baldwin and other producers and crew members on the film, now expressing outrage with Baldwin's recent interview, where he says the actor shifted blame over the death of his wife, Helena. I feel that 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 uh, someone is responsible for what happened. And I can't say who that is, but I know it's not me. Uh, But watching him, I just felt so angry, just so angry to see him talk about her death so publicly in such a detailed way, and then to not accept any responsibility after having just described killing her. He said, essentially, he felt grief but no guilt. Almost sounds like he was the victim. And hearing him blame Helena in the interview and and shift responsibility to others and and seeing him cry about it, I just feel like are we really supposed to feel bad about you, Mr. Baldwin? So do you think that the, the majority of the blame lays on Alec Baldwin? The idea that the person holding the gun, causing it to discharge, is not responsible is absurd to me. Every individual who touches a firearm has a responsibility for gun safety. But gun safety was not the only problem on that set. There were a number of industry standards that were not practiced and... There's multiple responsible parties. The suit, which alleges at least 15 safety practices were disregarded on set, claims there was a wider culture of cost-cutting that ultimately led to Helena's death. In a statement, Baldwin's attorney says any claim that Alec was reckless is entirely false. Any claim that Alec has any responsibility is entirely false, (laughs) you know. Any claim that he has anything to do with this, even though he had the smoking gun in his hand, is entirely false. You know, Billy, you said earlier he's being eaten by his own, meaning Clooney and Clint Eastwood and these other actors. And that wouldn't be taking place had he just stood quiet, offered condolences to her and her family. He spoke to the to, to the husband, Matt. Uh, he probably said he was sorry and everything. And there's no question that no one believes that he did this on purpose. But his 
actions following the whole thing to try and, you know, portray himself as a victim in the media to try and gain favor. I think that was really why you have people being outspoken about it and saying, you know, that it's, it's a lame excuse and the different things that were said, uh, you know, uh, there's just, I don't know. Uh, he's trying to uh, make himself look like a victim. And with regard to Sousa, now he is in the industry and maybe he feels that he doesn't want to come out publicly and, you know, uh, go ahead with a lawsuit right away. Uh, he wants to work in the industry. Maybe he, you know, let's face it. Alec Baldwin is a powerhouse in, uh, in Hollywood. And, uh, maybe he's trying to, you know, uh, move cautiously, move slowly with the, the lawsuit and stay quiet because he wants to have a career in the filmmaking industry going forward. And he doesn't want to get blackballed, so to speak, you know? And I think that, uh, that may be why he didn't file a lawsuit yet, or he's not outspoken. However, he is, the second victim in this case, he was shot in the shoulder. As we know, you know, that bullet went through uh, Helena Hutchins' body and hit him in the shoulder. And, uh, you know, he's obviously a victim. Uh, but I think that what he's doing is maybe what Alec Baldwin should have did. He should have kept his mouth shut, uh, gave condolences to the family, shown support, and not come out publicly at all. You know, he should have just, uh, listen, if the media was chasing him, looking for him to say something, he could have said, listen, guys, uh, please respect my uh, my family. Uh, no comment at this time. And I offer condolences to Helena Hutchins' family. The media would have got tired of following around after a couple of days, you know. But he didn't go that route. He's uh, showing narcissistic behavior. And I think that he's trying to, uh, you know, keep a hold of his, uh, his, his public opinion and his, his stature in, in, uh, in Hollywood. And, uh, he's just digging himself deeper. You know, it's all saying when you start digging a hole, if you want to get out of the hole, you have to stop digging. And he's not following that, uh, that, uh, little, uh, uh, saying, you know, I want to read something from, uh, the New York times article. Uh, this is referring to Helena Hutchins. She directed Bolden to hold the gun higher to a point where it was directed toward her, it said. She was looking carefully at the monitor and then at Baldwin and then back again as she gave these instructions. In giving and following these instructions, Hutchins and Baldwin shared a core vital belief that the gun was cold and contained no live rounds. That's coming, obviously, from Baldwin's attorney. They That's the language that he used. Uh, they just, They shared a core vital belief that the gun was cold and contain no live rounds. Phil and I have talked about, again, ad nauseum, and I like that term, that when you handle firearms, you're trained to do a physical and a visual inspection of that firearm to make sure that it's empty. And he should have, when he was handed that firearm, he should have did a, a physical and a visual inspection of it to determine what the hell was inside that gun. He did. He did not do that. You know, Billy, it's really the safety protocols that are put into place. And, you know, just because someone tells you and th they have the steps laid out in the safety courses that just because someone tells you it's a cold gun does not mean it's a cold gun. The only way you can be 100 percent sure that it's a cold gun is by what you just said, a physical and visual in in uh, inspection of that. Well, th that round that was loading there. So if he did a physical and visual inspection, he and he know the different knew the difference between the two types of ammunition. This would have never happened. So it's like if I tell you to go lock the door, 
And then someone asked me, is the back door locked? How do I know it's locked? Just because I told you, maybe you got sidetracked or you got uh, delayed and you didn't lock the back door. So if I say yes, I'm really not 100% certain that that door is locked. So again, this is where it comes into safety. You cannot take the word of anyone when it comes to firearm safety that the gun is cold without checking it yourself. Once it's handed to him, and we, we've named all the different safety protocols that were not followed and violated. We had Steve Gardell on from the movie TV unit that works in movie production, and he explained all the different protocols. So the bottom line is, is that he could say what he wants in the public. Uh, the facts are going to be the facts. And I'm sure that there's going to be a lot of other things that are going to come out uh, once this thing, either the, it hits the criminal end, if there's criminal charges and cases go forward with hearings and, and a trial, uh, and we're going to hear the details uh, from the civil case. This was a, a video that was made by the attorney for the Hutchins family. This is very powerful, by the way. I want to play that back. Now we watch that a 45 caliber um, pistol uh, revolver. This was it has a, a tremendous kick, and a 45 caliber round makes a huge explosion when it goes off. He tried to say that he didn't know what happened, that he thought she fainted, and he he actually knelt over her and he thought she fainted. I mean, I don't. I've been to hundreds, maybe a thousand shootings in my police career, you know, when someone's been shot, you know, and for him to say that he didn't realize till much later that she was shot. He's in fact, he said when he was taken, um, Baldwin pulled the hammer back, but not far enough to actually cock the gun. It said when Baldwin let go of the hammer, the gun went off. That's the story he's going with. Um, when he went to describe uh, the confusion and horror after the shooting, as Miss Hutchins was flown by helicopter to a hospital where she was later pronounced dead, it was later at the end of the interview with the Santa Fe County Sheriff's Office that Mr. Baldwin was shown a photograph of the projectile that had passed through Miss Hutchins and then wounded the film's director, Joel Souza. Baldwin recognized the object as a live bullet, and he finally began to comprehend what had transpired on the set of Rust that day, he said. He was shocked. I find that shocking that anyone would believe that, that that's when he finally realized it, that he had, that she was dead and that she, she was shot was hours later when he went to the police station. I find that shocking. Two points, Bill. Number one, uh, if a person's walking down the street and a shot is fired from two blocks away and they get hit, they didn't hear the shot... That's a possibility. They feel a sting. They, they don't know that they were shot. But we have a very small, cl uh, close proximity situation where a firearm, we know it's a real firearm, excuse me, is being pointed in the direction of the young lady. So uh, it was clear, right? And as soon as that gun goes off, the loud explosion, it was clear that she was probably shot. I don't think uh, you needed a college degree to figure that out. Second point I wanted to make is the... Wording of the affidavit when it's saying that she directed him to point the gun up into her direction. 
Uh, it's trying to take the onus off of him and put her at fault that she was allowing a loaded gun to be pointed at her. But I am sure now the industry standard says when you're using a real gun, it should never be pointed at anyone. There should be a shield of glass and the camera should be operated remotely. Now, they didn't go through those uh, procedures. Uh, there was obviously some cost cutting because they didn't uh, enlist this shield and they didn't have the remote operation of the camera. And, you know, Helena Hutchins was obviously someone that was very good at her craft. She was trying to get the right angle. She was known to be a, a real professional um, and, and director of photography, uh, the little bit I know about movie production is a very vital and important part of, uh, making these films because they see through their eyes what the audience is going to see. And they really, really, uh, are very, very good at what they do. They're experts. So, you know, he's trying to take the onus off himself and they're trying to put, liability for what happened on her. That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to victimize the victim once again. And they're trying to say that she asked Baldwin to point the gun up in her direction. And, you know, that's again, setting the stage, planting the seeds for the civil action that, you know, we're going to say that she was culpable because she asked the gun to be pointed in her direction. However, we know that those safety protocols were not followed. And again, uh, you know, as the production's going on, she just wants to get the best shot for the production. Um, uh, you know, obviously we all are in agreement that no one thought that that gun was loaded. Somehow or another that uh, live round got in there. And again, I, I will stand up for Alec Baldwin to say that he didn't do this intentionally. But because of all the reckless behavior and the negligence that was done on that set, that's what caused this, obviously. So again, we've talked about how uh, you don't have to have intent to harm someone, to be charged with a crime, uh, you could be reckless or you could be negligent. And these is, this is where uh, criminal charges are going to fall into this specific situation. And infuriating. Why, for the life of me, this low-budget film with producers who haven't produced anything wouldn't have hired for the armor someone with experience? They weren't even using that gun to do target practice. And that is insane. Clooney appeared on actor Mark Maron's WTF podcast Monday and recalled his close friendship with Brandon Lee, the son of Bruce Lee, who was accidentally shot and killed on a movie set in 1993. After Brandon died, it really became a very clear thing of open the gun, look down the barrel, look, look in the, uh, uh, the cylinder, make sure. It's a series of tragedies, but also a lot of, you know, a lot of stupid yeah. mistakes. Clooney, who has worked with weapons multiple times over the course of his career, including on the film Three Kings, talked about his own safety practices on set. I open it, I show it to the person I'm pointing it to, we show it to the crew, everybody knows. And maybe Alec did that. I Hopefully he did do that. But the problem is, dummies are tricky because they look like real bullets. Shot. Last month's shooting on the set of Rust claimed the life of cinematographer Helena Hutchins and wounded director Joel Souza. The gun actor Alec Baldwin used in the fatal shooting was said to be cold, meaning it wasn't supposed to be loaded with live ammunition. Clooney had his own critiques of what happened on set down to the phrasing. I've never heard the term cold gun. I've never heard that term. Literally, that's they're just talking about stuff I've never heard of. Yeah. It's just infuriating. Expert armorers beg to differ, saying cold gun is an industry standard term and a normal part of on-set safety checks. That is something that is always used. Hot gun, cold gun. 
that's the way we we do it. That's the way it's been done for years. If he hasn't heard it, then he's been living under a rock for the last 30 years. The Rust shooting has drawn swift backlash from other big names in Hollywood and has spurred investigations and lawsuits. Some have even called to end the use of weapons on set completely. But armorers still insist there is a safe way to use them. Clooney went on to say that he doesn't know Alec Baldwin well, but that he doesn't believe anyone had any bad intentions here. He did say it's important that filmmakers hire people with more experience moving forward. You know, movie sets, uh, you know, they have a budget and say, you know, this was a low budget movie, but even a, a budget, a, a movie with a big budget, say a 25 or $50 million budget, they're still not throwing the money around. They're going to try to cut costs to come in under budget if possible. And unfortunately, usually the lowest people on the totem pole, that's where they try to cut. They don't cut the salary of the star. They don't cut uh, the producer's salary. They don't cut the director's salary. They don't cut the real talented, the talent on the set's salary. They cut the lowest level. And that's, that's the nature of business, not just show business. You know, folks, I just want to thank all of you guys. Uh, Phil and I and uh, you know, Mark DeMeo and uh, Police Off the Cuff, we're, we're 21 shy of 25,000 uh, subscribers. We've worked really hard to get to this point. And it's all because of you guys that have become our subscribers, guys that you've joined our Patreon, helped support this show, and you're members of our YouTube family. We just want to thank you. As you can see, we're, we're trying to put out these um, interesting, we think, interesting shows and do a deep dive as to what, um, you know, what transpired on this. And I didn't think we'd be covering this show, uh, this uh, topic with Alec Baldwin for a while since we just covered it three days ago. But it seems like he wants to stay in the news. And, you know, with this uh, petition to, to arbitrate against the Rust movie company, he's back in the news again and he's getting his story out there. And, you know, even when we spoke to Dan Bibb, who was – on a couple of nights ago, he said, if I was Alec Baldwin's attorney, I would tell him to shut his damn mouth and to stay off TV and stay off social media. Obviously, again, you guys use the word, he's a narcissist and he loves himself so much he wants to see himself on TV, but uh, he's not doing himself a favor by going on and talking about this case and really incriminating himself more than if he just shuts up. You know, Billy, uh, George Clooney, I want to make a comment about George Clooney. I'm not a big George Clooney fan. Basically, he's outspoken in a political manner, and I think that actors should act, musicians should play music, and politicians and politics should stay out of it. I'm not a big fan of his, is the point. But I have to applaud what he said. He had the guts, he had the courage to come forward and say, you know, this is ridiculous what uh, uh, Baldwin is, is, uh, spousing out. And, you know, uh, the bottom line is, is that, uh, if you look at the, uh, latest affidavit, uh, it talks about the text messages between Baldwin and Matt Hutchins. And it says how the, uh, the relationship or the conversation deteriorated over time. Uh, he was trying to come out from under, he was trying to, he probably offered condolences right, right away and probably said he was sorry, sorry. But when he saw, and he must've been uh, schooled by his attorneys that there was going to be heavy civil and possible criminal charges pending. That's when his tone must've changed. And, uh, again, just picture this poor, uh, gentleman, Matt Hutchins, 
lost his wife, lost the mother of his child. And then he has to see what you're showing right on the screen right now. Uh, George Stephanopoulos interview with Alec Baldwin, where he says he absolutely does not feel guilt and he doesn't feel responsibility. So that would infuriate me as a husband and as the, uh, the person that lost, uh, God forbid the, uh, the mother of my child. So I, I get where the, uh, where the relationship would definitely deteriorate, uh, on those points. So, um, it, it is what it is. And I guess, uh, we're going to have to see what plays out, uh, going forward. And you're right, Billy, we just covered this a couple of days ago, but it seems like the hits just keep on coming. And that's why we jumped on today to give our opinions and comment about this, uh, this horrible situation. You know, right from the New York times article, this is from, um, Alec Baldwin's attorney, uh, Mr. Nickus. Someone is, cap- is culpable for chambering the live round that led to this horrific tragedy. And is someone other than Baldwin, Mr. Nickus wrote in the claim, portraying Mr. Baldwin as a victim who trusted others to do their jobs and is haunted by Miss Hutchins' death. This is a rare instance when the system broke down and someone should be held legally culpable for the tragic consequences. That person is not Alec Baldwin. I got to tell you, Billy, I agree somewhat with the beginning part of that statement. The person who interjected a live round into the other rounds is definitely the one that's most culpable, 100%, whether it was done intentionally or by accident. If you mixed up live rounds, that's just unacceptable. However, we know from the protocols that were brought out on previous episodes of our show where we had the expert Steve Goddell, that the protocols were violated. And then the lawsuit that Helena Hutchins family uh, is putting forward, they mentioned 15 different safety standards that were violated. So again, just because someone interjected a real round into the other rounds does not take all of the onus off of Alec Baldwin. Uh, It was clear from George Clooney's statement alone that he should have, physically and visually inspected that firearm to see what it was that was in the chamber. Uh, You know, him saying all of these other things uh, about how she uh, told him, you know, cock it, pointed up it, and it was in her direction. Those are all things that uh, really don't have bearing on his culpability. I think that that's just part of what was going on. And again, we we agree that uh, this wasn't an intentional act. It was an accident, but based on an accident, based on uh, recklessness and, uh, you know, uh, just outright flagrant violations of safety protocols. People who felt it necessary to contribute some comment to the situation, which really didn't help the situation at all. You have your, if your protocol is you checking the gun every time, well, good for you. Good for you. You know, I mean, I probably handled weapons as much as any other actor in films with, with an average career, again, shooting or being shot by someone. And in, in, in that time, I had a protocol and it never let me down. Why did you choose in your 40 years not to check the gun yourself? What I was taught by someone years ago was, as I said, if I, if I took a gun and I popped a clip out of a gun or I manipulated the chamber of a gun, they would take the gun away from me and redo it. The prop person said, don't do that when I was young. And they'd say, one thing you would need to understand is we don't want the actor to be the last line of defense against a catastrophic breach of safety with the gun. My job, they told me, man or woman, my job is to make sure the gun is safe and then I hand you the gun and I declare the gun safe. The crew's not relying on you to say that it's safe. 
They'd be lying on me to say that it's safe. When that person who was charged with that job handed me the weapon, I trusted them and, and I never had a problem. With and them. this was from the beginning of your career? From, from day one. There's one person that's supposed to make sure that what is in the gun is right and that it's, what's wrong is not in the gun. One person has that responsibility to maintain the gun. And what is the actor's responsibility? I guess that's a, that's a tough question because the actor's responsibility going this day forward is very different than it was the day before that. Yeah, now, now I can't, first of all, I can't imagine I'd ever do a movie that had a gun in it again. And um, I can't. When you say what is the actor's responsibility, the actor's responsibility is to do what the prop armorer tells him to do. Mm -mm. And we did not have a problem. I mean, I understand there was an accidental discharge at one point on the set of a blank round, but we did not have a problem for me until that day. Everything gets slowed down. It's a Pruder film-esque here. And the issue... He's amazing how he takes no responsibility whatsoever. There's a Pruder film. He's, that's the Kennedy assassination film, for those that didn't uh, get that. He put that in there. There's a Pruder film. You know, oh, you're so smart, Alec, and so articulate. You're a smart Alec. Yeah, that's what you are, right? But uh, <laughs> That fits. Uh, Phil, Phil, why don't you just give us a quick read? Joe Murray, attorney at law. Have you found yourself in a jam? Are you in need of legal counsel in the New York area? Do you need a victim's advocate? Well, Joe Murray is your man. He's not only an experienced trial attorney, he's also a retired 15-year member of the NYPD. He literally knows both sides of the fence. His website is jmurray-law.com. His telephone number is 646-838-1702. Or you could email Joe at joe at jmurray-law.com. You know, folks, I hope that uh, we're not uh, beating this case to death. I thought it was important to come on today as new things pop up in this case and follow it along. And, you know, next thing that should probably come up uh, is the whether or not there's going to be criminal charges. If there are, then there'll be court proceedings. There'll be an arrest. There'll be all that type of stuff. If there's not, they'll go directly to the uh, to the civil case. But there's going to be new stuff going on. And you know, I said early on in this case, you know, the husband, Matt Hutchins, can appreciate that this was an accident. However, accidents are preventable through taking proper care and making sure that there's no negligence or, or just recklessness on a set. And I think, you know, of course, he first accepted Alec Baldwin's condolences and apology or whatever, whatever he thought they were. But then he has to live with the fact that his wife is not coming home and the mother of his nine-year-old son is not coming home. And then you start looking other places and there is, a, there is blame, there is negligence, there is liability. And did Alec Baldwin really think that Matt Hutchins and the Hutchins family wasn't going to sue him? Did he really think, what world does he live in to think that he was not going to get sued for this and that... Now he's trying to place the whole crux of this on the Rust movie company. Let's stick it on the main producer. Let's put it on him because, oh, no, I'm not responsible. I only had the gun in my hand and probably pulled the trigger. That will be determined by the FBI when they do all their ballistics tests. But to watch him take no responsibility and then have them take this thing to arbitration based on the civil case 
it's definitely putting salt in a wound that's already festering. You know what I hope for, Billy? And I don't think that anyone should uh, do time in jail for what transpired. I do think there should be criminal charges. I think if there's criminal charges and if people are placed on probation or they're required to do safety uh, uh, courses or whatever it is, I think that'll set the standard for the industry that, hey, Hollywood, you're on notice that if you have an accident uh, on set that you could be held criminally liable uh, maybe probation, maybe a short time in jail, depending on, listen, if they find out that someone intentionally put that round, then that person should go to jail 100%. But if they're just going to base criminal charges on reckless behavior or criminally negligent behavior, uh, then maybe probation or maybe even some small jail time. I could agree with that. But I think that it needs to be done. There needs to be criminal charges to set the standard and place Hollywood on notice that whether it be playing around with a gun that could fire around and it, it gets mixed up or doing something reckless on a movie set where someone is hurt, injured, or killed. Uh, you could face criminal charges. It happens every day in everyday life when, uh, let's say uh, there's something that's not maintained and it falls off of a building and it, and it hits someone and that person that owns the building knew about it and just flagrantly disregarded it. And uh, you know, it causes an injury or a death that person could be charged. So again, we need to put Hollywood on notice. Uh, this woman should not die in vain. Uh, there needs to be criminal charges in my opinion. I'm not going to say exactly who at this point, cause I'm not, uh, privy to the initial and the inside investigation. But uh, I think that it's going to set uh, a tone in Hollywood that they might not cut corners and they might not uh, cut safety protocols and they will follow the, the protocols and the rules that are in place for a reason. And again, I'll use the back door scenario. If I tell you to lock the back door and I don't physically watch you lock the back door, how do I know that that door is locked? I don't. The only way I know is if I go check the door or if I watch you lock the door. That's the only way it's going to, uh, you know, and I'm using that scenario to show that he didn't know that that gun wasn't loaded with a, a real round because he didn't check it. End of story. Absolutely. One tricky girl. He should be contrite. He just blames, uh, shifts the blame blames shifts. Yeah. Shifts the blame. Um, X police off the cuff. You must continue to cover this case. Only stop if you never get any views, and that's not going to happen. <laughs> Cheers, guys. Thank you. Yeah, that might. If I wasn't getting any views, that might stop me from covering this case. Um, yeah. Amanda Simpson, Alec Baldwin's behavior is abhorrent. I agree. Nice word. Good word. It's hard to pronounce, though. Abhorrent. I think. But good word. Uh, Christy Annette, there was a lot of reference going back to the movie where the cinematographer was killed on the train tracks. Not sure what not, I'm not familiar is. with that myself, but uh, either. that sounds but, like another horrible accident that happened. And again, that's where I'm looking for the criminal charges to place people on notice. You know, there has to be a message sent in, in all of these previous incidents where people were hurt or killed. No one was ever charged criminally. And I think we need to set that standard now. Memo. Absolutely. Guys, you said it best. Uh, one tricky girl. Uh, well, I think there should be criminal charges. Sometimes accidents are crimes. I We totally agree with you. Um, Real with Robo, tricky girl exactly, and he thought he wouldn't be sued because the hubby, when he was remorseful, wanted to settle out of court. The interview blew it up, I bet. Hollywood created Alec Baldwin. They had rewarded his bad behavior. Yeah, I mean, you can look at him, you know, 
he's a very talented actor. He absolutely is. He's not a very he's not a very warm and fuzzy human being. He's very hard to like, in my opinion. You know, uh, it's you know he just he exhibits a- he exhibits antisocial behavior. He seems like he can't interact with people because of his status or whatever. But you know, there's uh, definitely uh, he's got anger management issues for sure. I mean, we've known that for a while. Yeah, Rich Carba. She had a bright career snuffed out by Alec. That's for yep. sure. Uh, trying to read the, these for you guys. Nikki Bella, High Moonlight. Law to all. Hollywood was on notice after Brandon Lee's death. Alec Baldwin violated safety protocol. We agree. We definitely agree with that. Uh, Joshua. Good to see you, Joshua. Here's our engineer. Really good case. Good Didn't man. think it would be. Uh, Josh. Josh is... Uh, or computer whiz, that he does the things that Phil and I, being old guys, don't know how to do, you know? Uh, Speak for yourself there, Barry. Speak <laughs> for yourself. If it was Christy Annette, if it was in Georgia, bet on the tracks and the train came, there was jail time in that. Look it up. It's interesting. I will look that up. Uh, um, just saying. Um, just saying. No more Hollywood sacrifices. Enough. Uh, Nikki Bella, the judge threw the book at Jesse Smollett, sentenced to five months in jail for lying to cops about 2019 Chicago attack. I think he got a slap on the wrist. Absolutely. I think he should have should, got like three years at least. That was he should have did a one to three stretch for sure, Billy. I yeah, agree with you. He got, he got nothing. That was a real little, you know. You know what he did real quick? He slapped the face of real victims of racism. He slapped their faces. He created a lie. He created a firestorm. Uh, he, he he messed with race relations in the country. And, you know, uh, somebody shouldn't cry wolf like that, especially since a sensitive thing like that, like racism. That's terrible. Yeah, no, I agree. You know, folks, well, Phil and I had just uh, intended today to stay on like 35 minutes, but when we say 35, it's 45. We say 45, it's an hour. When we say an hour, it's an hour and 10. So it just seems like we can't get off the air. Last night, Tommy Dades, I don't think, oh, not even Tommy Dades, Dan Bibb. Dan Bibb could have spoke for two days. He just was in his zone, and he was so comfortable. And from the feedback we got, apparently you guys loved listening to him. Uh, Really interesting guy, really smart guy. And... Dan has a vibrant law practice or else I'd bring him on the air more often than we do. But lots of times we just decide to go on the air and we say, Oh, who can we get? And we're calling them and people, their lives aren't like that where they can just drop everything and come on police off the cuff because we called them. But he's definitely one of my go-to guys as is Joe Murray. Um, Duty Ron has told me that um, Barbara Butcher, her book is coming out soon. That'll be a real interesting, exciting guest to get on. I know she's going to go on Duty Ron's show. I'm going to have to book Barbara early to come on my show too because uh, the the book she's got coming out should be just an amazingly interesting book. We also have um, Judge Domango from the TV show Hot Bench. She's going to, she has agreed to come on. We haven't booked a date yet, but uh, all of the stuff that we do by ourselves, so it's, it, it, it is very time consuming and um, stressful. Since you're mentioning a lot of the legal uh, people we have, Mike Vecchione, a former prosecutor from Brooklyn DA's office, over 30 years' experience. He was a boss of uh, homicide, of uh, 
uh, all the different, uh, the Rackets Bureau, uh, had a lot to do with the mob cops case that we had on last night with Tommy Dades that we profiled. So, yeah, we have a lot of uh, good people in our arsenal, so to speak. And, uh, yeah, we got we got a, uh, uh, hopefully we're going to have the former chief of detectives, Bob Boyce, come on. That's real right. Soon. That's right. Talk about his uh, his new show called New York Homicide. Uh, Judge Demango wrote a cookbook recently. We're going to have her on. So we got some good upcoming. You no, know, Phil, and I'm reading this book too, uh, and it's about an ATF agent who does storefront stings, and it's a brilliant book. And I'm almost uh, through with it, and now I can't find the email. I must have deleted. I got like four different email addresses. So if he's watching or someone's watching it, knows how to get a hold of him, I've reached out to him on Twitter. I've tried to find his email. I was looking forward to having him on the show. His name is Lou Veloz and really interesting book. So uh, we're constantly trying to come up with new guests for you guys. Interesting guests. And uh, oh, Tara Ellis, I meant to read this. Petitos filed a lawsuit claiming the laundries knew about what Brian did, claiming he told them the day after it happened. And they knew all along and attempted to get him out of the country. Civil suit. I predicted that. I definitely predicted that. We'll have to take a look at that, whether there's enough there to do another episode on that. But, uh, folks, um, thank you so much for tuning in today. Phil, final words. Final words. We're on top of this. We're going to look into uh, that Petito lawsuit. I mean, uh, there'll be uh, uh, rulings by judges to see if there's uh, merit to the case. Uh, we felt that uh, just what that uh, comment said, that uh, they probably knew about it, but there has to be uh, evidence to back it up. Uh, this case, the Baldwin case that we profiled today, it's uh, kind of uh, all over the place right now. That's why we had to come on the uh, latest filings. Uh, we'll be on top of it. And uh, we appreciate everybody that gives us the thumbs up on YouTube. We're shy by 25,000 by about 20 thumbs up. So if anybody's listening, you want to give us the thumbs up, we would greatly appreciate it. Keep us moving forward. Uh, we're going to keep giving uh, our best to try and provide uh, interesting, professional, and uh, exact and uh, very uh, good content. So again, please give us the thumbs up if you can. Uh, we're just 20 shy. We need that 20. We want to do it this weekend, right, Billy? Absolutely. I'm hoping we do it from this show, you know. Uh, Absolutely. So, so, you know, our our uh, engineer, Joshua, says this is the year we go viral, that we're going to bust out. 25 is nothing. We're going to, we have to look for six figures after that, right? Although I'm you got to take I'm it, down. you got to take it in increments, but sometimes the increments come uh, fast and, and you grow quickly. Sometimes you grow slowly. So we're just plugging along like the little engine that could, right? That's it. <laughs> you guys remember that? That little engine? Oh, I remember that from my kids when they were little. That's right. I used to read that book to my kids too. So folks, again, thank you so much and uh, we'll see you soon. Have a good weekend, everybody, and stay safe. One episode, just ain't enough.